The Old Testament reading for today, the third Sunday in Lent, is from Exodus chapter 17. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there is no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Oreb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle today is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? 
He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who gives and who strengthens our faith. The words for our sermon this morning are from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, that we have just read. My friends, we are in a time of uncharted territory. And the we I speak of is not just us, the people of our Redeemer. We refers to humanity. The coronavirus has forced us to think worldwide as well as nationwide and statewide and community-wide. And it also forces us to think of the we 
as including the one I might affect through my actions, through my personal hygiene, through the many precautions I take or decide not to take. It is with this reality in mind that this sermon is delivered to you in a format that has never been used before in our church. And so please pray for me, the leadership of this local body of Christ, and all the members of our Redeemer, that we may still effectively receive the continued blessings of word and sacrament ministry in these days. The virus has caused many cancellations, but I'd like to focus on one for the moment. Our neighboring town of Roanoke had its boys high school basketball team qualify for the state tournament. They are really, really good, but they won't be given the opportunity to compete for the state championship. There obviously is good reason, but it still rightly makes people quite sad. People enjoy competition. It's part of human nature. We compete with our lawns and our gardens. We compete in the food we prepare, and yes, we compete in sports. It seems important for us to say, I'm better, or this is better. And in our epistle reading for today, St. Paul even seems to be doing a bit of the same, saying, whatever you say, I can top it. I've got better. We've been justified by faith, and so we have peace with God. Not only that, this faith gives us access to grace. And so we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And then, and then St. Paul takes it even further. And more than that, to top it all, we rejoice in our sufferings. That's kind of a trump card. But how often do we use it? How often do we deal with suffering in this way? How often do we let the certain fact that we are justified before God, the fact that we have peace with God and access to his grace, how often do we let these treasured gifts of our awesome and loving God carry us through suffering with Rejoicing. I'm afraid, not enough. This past week, my wife and I went through a common conversation we have most weeks. What are the readings for this week, Terry asked. And I said, well, the gospel is the account of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well and Jesus asking her for a drink. The epistle is Romans 5, where Paul writes about rejoicing in our suffering. And the Old Testament lesson is, and she cut me off. She cut me off with her comment that was this. I can't think of anything good that comes out of suffering. And right then I knew. I knew, as important as the other lessons are, 
I need to preach on this text from Romans. For I know she's not alone in that type of thought. I know it still is not only difficult, but can in fact seem absurd. So how and why can we rejoice in our suffering? The why is found in our text. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. This is the work the Holy Spirit does in us in these times. The problem, the problem is there is an additional production of things not produced by the Holy Spirit that are working in us. You all know other things are produced. You feel them during times of suffering. Suffering produces doubt. Doubt that God cares. Doubt that God will protect you, will deliver you, or will carry you. Suffering produces anger. Anger that God isn't fair. That God plays favorites. That God has forgotten you. Suffering produces fear. Fear that you are alone. That you are not loved. That things will only get worse. You've felt these things in times of suffering. These will not lead you to rejoicing. These are not produced by the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. No, they are produced by your sinful nature, by the sinful world, and by Satan. And I would say, especially Satan, using one of his tried and true deceptions. Did God really say? Did God really say you can rejoice in suffering? That doesn't even make sense. That's not even right. Why? It's even cruel. Cruel to rejoice because somebody's hurting. Did you catch that twist in that? In that line of thinking Satan wants you to get into? Did you catch that clever deception which would lead you to thinking God's wrong? There's never any good in suffering. My friends, we never rejoice because of suffering. Christians rejoice in suffering. Look at what surrounds this thought of rejoice in suffering. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That sets it up. That sets us apart. Jesus' saving work on the cross, his passion, his death, his suffering. When the sinless one suffers, when the sinless one is forsaken by the Father, and then, then when the sinless Savior is raised, sin, death, Satan, and yes, my friends, even suffering is defeated. Defeated. This victory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, is given to us. We receive this benefit. 
And we have with that the certain hope, certain hope of the glory of God. Our sin is now forgiven, forgotten. And so in Christ does not any longer result in falling short of the glory of God. But instead, in Christ, there is a certain promise. You can definitely proclaim in Christ, the glory of God is mine. Suffering produces endurance. That's what our text says. We endure. We endure over the doubt, over the anger, over the fear, and over all the other emotions that Satan, the world, and our sinful nature will throw at us in times of suffering. We endure in times of suffering by looking back and by looking forward. We look back to the cross. To the cross. To the time when a sinful person's separation from the glory of God is in fact ended. At Christ's death, the temple curtain is torn and the Holy of Holies is no longer separated from the people. We look back. We look back to to that fact, especially in times of suffering. And also, my friends, we look forward, forward to the certain time when the full benefit of this completed event is ours. Suffering produces endurance. In suffering, we endure the truth that we are in the period of life that we call the now and not yet. We now have the glory of God, for we are justified. We are made holy, but we are not yet, not yet able to enjoy it and experience it to the fullest extent. And so, until then, we endure this time. Endure this time, especially during times of suffering. And this endurance produces character. This character the Holy Spirit produces in us through endurance of suffering is a wonderful blessing of God. This character, this character is like the basketball player taking the legitimate hard charge. You can come at me full speed. And I'm going to stand here and I'm going to take your best shot. I'm going to likely get your shoulder or your knee into my chest at full speed. I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get knocked to the floor. Maybe, maybe even sustain a concussion. But give me your best shot. I'm going to win. My friends, the character of the Christian in suffering is just like that by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to hurt. I'm going to feel physically weak. I'm going to grieve. And all this suffering, in fact, might cause tears, might cause outright sobbing. But still, I'm going to rejoice. 
I'm going to rejoice because I have the glory of God. Satan, give me your best shot. I'm prepared. I know it will hurt. I know it will weaken my physical stature. I know tears will be shed. That's part of being in the not yet. But, Satan, bring it on. Bring it on. I'm going to rejoice. Put that knee right in my chest. Knock me down. I'll get back up. Because I've got right now. I've got right now the glory of God. Satan, I win. By the grace of God, through the cross of Christ, I win. The glory of God is mine. For this, we give all glory, honor, praise, and thanks to God and to God alone. Amen.